Hey guys, welcome back to the Woodworking Podcast. My name is Nick Ferry, and uh, I can be found at nickferry.com, joined with Jay Bates of Jay's Custom Creations.com and April Wilkerson of WilkerDews.com. Couldn't quite get all that out without screwing it up. Hey everyone. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, let's see here. Let's run through our uh, patron list real quick. We definitely appreciate that. Um, let's do for in reverse order this time. Uh, Scott Griffith, JM Tosses, Jameson, Elam, Cole, Bouchard, Chris Stokesmore, Jason, Adamzek, Modern Builds, George Thomas, Dust or Don Chesser, Martin Wagner, Clement Breezard, John Wilson, Steve Mills, David Pruitt. Kyle Vitek, Fred McIntyre, Paige Bonifaci, Terry Burns Dyson, Christopher Michael Copes, and St. Nickster. I, I have a suspicion that St. Nickster is actually you in disguise. <laughs> I, I wish it was, but I, yeah, I mean, come on, is that not the coolest name for me to have to read? <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, <laughs> thank, thanks, and we do appreciate it. Yes, most definitely. So, what do you guys got going on? I've got a lot of frustrations and 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 silly nonsense going on i just saw an instagram about your camera man did you see that gosh yeah crazy all right so i'm recording this next project and halfway through a clip it just drops exposure like a full i don't know what the range was but it looks like it dropped at a full two stops of exposure which sucks because I shoot manual. I don't shoot on auto because I don't like the exposure changing as you move through the scene because I got white walls and I typically wear a black shirt. So anytime I step in front of a wall, it gets really bright. And then when I step away from it, it gets really dark again. So I shoot manual. And um, anyway, it, it just completely just dropped the exposure mid clip. And it's, it did it to me twice today. So if I can't hunt down the, pro- the reason why, then it's a little kind of... Uh, you know, of a coin flip. Is it going to happen again? Is it going to happen again in the middle of a shot that's really important to the video? Luckily, the two that two clips that I happened to, um, I can edit around them. They're, you know, just uh, sequence clips where if I'm using a particular tool, I like to get like three shots of that tool, something like that, and I can, you know, edit them together kind of thing. But it was only one of those of each. So it's not the end of the world for what's already done. But going forward, it's just like, that's just another variable to, to freak out about. And I was already up on the fence about possibly getting a different camera. And then you know, we're, we're like two weeks away for or a week and a couple days away from Black Friday in the United States, which is pretty good sales. And then you've got Cyber Monday after that. So I could hold off and, and wait and get a camera in a week or two to save some money. But then, uh, you know, you... It, that's two weeks of no content or just take the risk of making this project. So anyway, I decided to just put off the new camera for a little bit and then get out in the shop and just, just keep going with the project. And I was a little frustrated, a little fired up because of that. And, uh, went ahead with the project, got another 30 minutes done and then realized I can't read a tape measure or one of my measurements went wrong somewhere, probably because I was frustrated. And then my, my, uh, I'm making a chess board box and my chessboard top uh, ended up being like two inches too short in one dimension so it's not squares anymore it's just rectangles and uh, oh so frustrated so the what's the saying when when you get lemons make lemonade it instantly became a uh, cutting board for someone's Christmas present <laughs> 
Well, that stinks, but at least you handled it well. (laughs) Yeah, that was like 15 minutes ago. So if I've got enough wood to make the previous clips work, where it doesn't look like, uh, hey, you just started with new wood all of a sudden, what happened? Uh, If I can get away with that, then I'll just pick up where I left off tomorrow. Uh, But if not, then I'll just start over again. Just one of those. You're going to talk about it? Even if you can get away from it, do you address that in the video or do you just kind of leave it be and move on with the tutorial portion? If there's something to be learned from, I mean, everybody makes mistakes. So yeah. if it's if it's something that is just a is just a general mistake and not something to be learned from, then no, I'm going to leave it out. So in this instance, it was me just reading a, a measurement backwards or, or or marking the wrong one. It was a, it was a stupid mistake. So in areas like that, I'll I'll edit around it or leave it out or, or you know, there's nothing to be learned from that. You just screwed up. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it, I think it's a good call. Well, I hope you're able to salvage it. I hope so. I think I think I can, but if not, you know, the end of the, it's not the end of the world. And this this project got off on the wrong foot to begin with because I had I was so excited at the beginning of this week to make a chess box chess board slash box, and I was going to wrap it in curly maple. Some of that maple we got from Bob's place in Wisconsin. And I'm like two inches too short on one of my boards that that would absolutely work perfect in order to get a continuous grain match all the way around if I did mitered corners. And that's Mm -hmm. what I want to do. So I can't use the curly maple. It's like, oh, crap. So Mm -hmm. that kind of burst that bubble. And then I switched over to walnut and then all this nonsense. So (laughs) I hope it starts going smoother for you. It will. I feel like I'm complaining. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't, I'm, I'm actually really glad to hear you because I'm working on a staircase right now and it's like kicking my butt and I'm exhausted just from doing like back to back projects. And then I just traveled down to my family where I tried chainsaw carving and that wore my muscles and my hands and my forearms out. And then I'm back home and I immediately have to jump back on the staircase. So believe me, it may actually like, I feel good <laughs> now hearing you. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you yeah. know, so complain all you want. <laughs> I hear you. I had a good day. <laughs> Nick, let's hear about your good day. Yeah, let's hear about the good positivity. <laughs> no, I was just being a smartass. Um, <laughs> no, I, I. as far as camera stuff, mine, the only problem I've ever had on mine, now granted I do shoot in auto, and so I do get that exposure change once in a while, but I'll, I'll hit record and it'll stop recording. It'll say, for whatever reason, recording interrupted. Yeah, that happened to us once while we were up there on your camera. Yeah, and which doesn't sound like a big deal because it always happens within the first like two seconds. But a lot of times, I'm not even pointed. You know, I'm, I'm at the table saw. The camera's pointed at me. I'll just reach over and hit record, and I have to like accept the fact that okay, it, it's recording. Well, no, now I got to walk all the way around. And so you know, again, okay, oh, why he can't walk all the way around? No, it's I mean, you're recording like seventy or eighty clips, so that could add at least an hour, you know, to it. But you know, the whole, um, this video on Canon, you, you shoot Nikon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on Canon, it's like this video is stopped uh, stopped recording unexpectedly or something like that. Um, and all of the feedback I get online is is that it's the memory card. I don't understand that because if a memory card works like 99.99% of the time and then three times out of a year it does that, I, I don't know if it would be the memory card. 
it, it, I, maybe it could be in some cases, but I, I would venture a guess in my case it's not the memory card because I have about six or seven different memory cards, a lot of them different brands, different sizes, formatted often, and it, it happens across the board. There's not like one memory card where it doesn't happen, so at least for me and my experiences. I've never had it that happen to me, fortunately. I've had it where I filled up the memory card, and it seems like anytime you fill it up, you have to actually go in and format it in the camera, even even if you wipe it clean off of a computer. Um, but I've never had it actually stop recording on me. Hmm. So I, I format every single time an empty card goes into the camera. Oh, really? Really? Why? Um, just because I, I've had like corruption issues with cards where, you know, you get, and, and this actually happened more when I would do theater shoots and stuff. But once you, you know, uh, people chimp out or uh, chimp out, what, what am I looking for? Skimp out on, on memory cards a lot of times. Oh yeah. Uh, um, class 10 at least, but the memory card is, I think the weak link because, a lot of times you're getting footage, whether it's family pictures, stuff like that, you can't get it back. That That is your film. You know, film could have been somewhat recovered. If, if the data is just not there or it's corrupted, you're just kind of out of luck. Solution is for all of us, we just need to buy a red Epic and start recording to SSD. I was going to get a Red Dragon instead. <laughs> Y'all are way above my head. I have no idea what an Epic or SSD is <laughs> or Dragons. You don't know what a dragon is? It's a medieval creature that uh, breathes fire, you know? <laughs> I'm talking about an electronic one. <laughs> oh, well, they, yeah, I'm sure they have, like, a Disneyland, like an animatronic one. but. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, speaking of that, speaking of the, the filmography and the, and the editing and stuff, I released a video yesterday that was dramatically different than what I've normally done, and it was just in one shot, one kind of continuous shot, but very minimal editing, but I, I basically found myself with way too much time at the computer editing and not enough time out in the shop. And now, granted, that's you know my line of work. But uh, I'm a woodworker, man. It, it it just I needed that refreshing like I just built and talked to the camera, and I it was very minimal editing. And I got to tell you, it's not the mes the best received video I've ever made. But in my book, it, I was I couldn't have been happier. It was just. Oh, you know, it, it took me le less than an hour to edit the whole thing. Wow. I'll have to go watch it. I've been, I've been very busy. I haven't been able to keep up with what anybody's doing. I had no idea you were having camera problems, Jay. So uh, maybe... That was all today. What's that? That was all today, earlier oh, today. Okay. Oh, good. I don't feel so bad in it then. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, uh, what you were talking about the stair stringers, April, or you were talking about the stairs. Was it the stringers that were giving you a problem? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, not only that, but it's all big, huge material. It's m mainly uh, two by eights and it's treated and not cedar. You know, all of these other big projects that I've been doing, the fence and the awning, it's all been made out of cedar. And I guess I've been taking that for granted because these, you know, six by six posts by myself and it's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I try to move a two by eight treated pine and all of a sudden I'm like, holy crap, I'm winded after just one offloading just a truckload of wood. Oh yeah, it completely. I mean, it's it's heavier material. Uh, it's taller. The the staircase is around 111, 112 feet tall, um, inches tall, and so yeah, I'm just I'm working above my head a lot, trying to hold things in place while drilling and putting in carriage bolts, and it's just it's just a bear, is what it is. I completely underestimated 
just how much of a bear this project was going to be. But yeah, the stringers, I actually had a call in Cody. I'll show it in the video because I marked it out about four different times, flipped it over and still got it wrong. So finally I was to the point where I was throwing my pencil and I said, Cody, can you please, I need it to, I want, I want this many steps. I want this rise and this run. Will you just, will you just map that out for me? And so he went through and figured out the math for me so that it looks nice. And it, it, the, the top, uh, tread, is in line with the platform at the very top and the bottom has a has a, a kicker on it yeah oh, i tell you what it's been frustrating <laughs> stringer stringers though that that is one of those things you get better the more and more you do it um cutting the middle that anybody can do that but to get from ground level to your first tread and then the last tread to your landing the, to get those all equal equal th- it, yeah, yeah it, it does take quite a bit and you can always tell um, and it's and it's weird. You can only be like an inch or two off. And if you walk upstairs, and it's a short step or a long step as your first or your last one, the body understands that. It knows that. And it's uh, quite frankly, it's actually unsafe because your muscle memory says, "Okay, I have this amount to step down to step," mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, whoa, last one's a doozy. Yeah. Well, and also it it turned out to be the case to where I ended up having to make the top tread that runs into the platform actually half of the half of the depth as all the other ones um but it's running into the platform so i was like well maybe that's not a big deal but the only reason i had to do that is because uh, all the big box stores around me only sell 16 foot uh two by 12s and so i ended up having to make it work so anyways i ended up getting it or it's still in the process of getting worked out but the project's taken a lot longer than what i was expecting and it's just everything's just very heavy i want to go back to cedar <laughs> Yeah, it's and another thing too is, and I made these mistakes years ago where you don't account for the the tread height itself. So you got the stringer in there, and everything measures out perfect. Then all of a sudden, you put on the treads, and you're like, "Crap, I'm a tread thickness off." Yeah, you know. So I, I'm glad you you said that, but I did take that into account because I actually already have the stringers hung. So I'm glad that I did think of that, or I had been kicking myself. Well, at least you got it all unloaded, and you don't have to carry in anymore. No, I still have because I've been buying it in sections. So, like, I did like the 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 four posts, and then I went and got all the material for the platform. Then I went and got all the material for the stringers, and now I went and got all the material for the for the treads and risers. So, yeah, I would love to have some help unloading all of that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it, pressure treated is is heavy stuff, especially if you find it halfway wet from the you know like the wherever lumber yard wherever you're getting it from yeah you know you pick, pick off some four by fours and there's like standing water between them yeah there's no standing water on this but as i'm cutting it with the saw it's flinging back water so it's still very wet and heavy but no. i mean it's fine it's coming along i'm gonna have to wait until i come back from ohio i'm gonna be going to have y'all heard of heart heartville hardware store I had nope. uh, I had a couple of people t- ask me about it if I was going to ever go up there when we were in Cincinnati at WIA. Okay, so it's apparently what I've been told is a cross between a Cabela's and a Bass Pro Shop, and they like have a pie baking station and they like barbecue, I, I believe, and it's a it's a cross between a Cabela's and a Bass Pro. So it should actually be pretty cool. But they say like the the sections they have pretty much every major tool company represented there and they're just like extremely long sections where they have pretty much the full line of tools that 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 brand offers so yeah i'm really looking forward to to going and exploring wow that's so cool and, and it's funny you reference bass pro shop because we have a capellas in town mm-hmm. and then i just got back from vegas where uh braxton took me to 
uh, Bass Pro Shop, and that's an amazing. That's the first time I've ever been in one. Oh, y'all don't and have one. No, no, it, at least it, not in Green Bay. Is it not a, a northern thing, or is fishing not popular up there? Fishing is extremely popular up here. Mm. Yeah, not only like summer fishing, but guys drilling holes in the ice and then sitting in a heated hut drinking beer. Huh. I, we, well, <laughs> we call it ice fishing, but yeah, it's dedicated. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we, we have. You ever go uh, bow fishing? I don't. No. Oh, uh, I love bow fishing. I've got relatives in Michigan who they they all do the the ice fishing and bow fishing stuff, but I I've never been into hunting or fishing. Yeah, me neither. I just feel too bad. I I, I honestly don't have the heart to kill anything. I'll eat it. You know, pretty much everybody in my family hunts, but yeah, I just don't have the heart to even fish. I feel bad. I just want to throw them back when nobody's looking. It's the thing of just sitting there that's boring to me. Hunting, uh-huh. man, just going out in the woods and sitting there and you can't move and you got to be quiet and you got to sit still and just, <laughs> no, that is not me. Take your chessboard with you. Uh, well, yeah, well, my, that, yeah, my, my phone. Play chess on my phone. Yeah, but, play uh, chess on your phone and then just have your little bow or sniper rifle, whatever you shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you don't hunt deer with sniper rifles. It's a Red Ryder BB gun. <laughs> Twin carbine. <laughs> oh, I think that was Mitch Hedberg that in his stand-up said something like, I'd like to go out fishing and catch me a fish stick. <laughs> Already breaded and ready to go. <laughs> Mitch Hedberg has some off-the-wall jokes. The only one I can remember off the top of my head is his thing saying, uh, dogs are forever in the push-up position. <laughs> I love that. It's like you look at them and you're like, yeah, they're yeah. they're planking right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. No, outdoor stuff is is pretty major around here. Um yeah, deer hunting, turkey, uh turkey. I couldn't say turkey all of a sudden. Uh pheasant, grouse. Um we even have a wolf season cuz the wolf population's grown exponentially and Is that good meat or is it dirty? I don't think I've ever had wolf. I've had like wild boar. Um, it's it's like beef, but gamier. Mm-hmm. Or I would say it's more like pork, but gamier. You know, but because boar and pig. And, um, speaking of interesting food and my Vegas trip, where I went to see Braxton, I'll put a link to Braxton's channel uh, in the article. But uh, we went to a Mexican restaurant and I had cow tongue tacos for the first time. Hmm. And they were really good. So what did so, you go to? You went to Vegas to go hang out with Braxton? Yeah, there was a, a few other YouTube channel woodworkers uh, meeting up there. And I'm good friends with Braxton. And he's like, hey, man, you're welcome anytime. And I said, well, you know, if I go, I'm going to want to go for a little bit longer than, you know, like the two days. So I ended up staying with him for about a week. And uh, we just turned like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got the same lathe as I do. And... Um, his teacher is Jimmy Clues and wow. yeah, Jimmy. And so we got to go to his shop, Jimmy shop for, um, three or four hours and, you know, learn from him. And it was just a blast. It was mostly predominantly turning. I turned a couple bowls. Um, even since I got back, I've turned several things, but yeah, it was just, just a blast hanging out with him. And hopefully we'll have a video or two, uh, to come out of that because, we also stopped at his buddy's house, uh, Three Saurus. I'll leave a link for that. He's only on Instagram as of right now, but uh, his name's Billy, and he does these amazing. We clicked right away because Billy does uh, museum exhibits, which are real, real similar to theater um, sets. And he was just full metal shop, everything. 
And so we ended up going back to Billy's and cast a YouTube play button that Braxton and I made a master mold of the MDF play button earlier, the, the, earlier the, the day before. And so it was just a, just a blast. It, we didn't concentrate heavily on filming a ton of it, but it was just, we worked with MDF, plywood, hardwoods, we were turning, we were on the bandsaw, it was just crazy. Made so much stuff. That's awesome. Sounds like yeah. a good time. For sure. So since you've been back, any new progress on the shop renovation? So since you've been back, any new shop renovation progress? Um, not necessarily progress on the renovation itself. Uh, I got the bandsaw, the, uh, what is it, the 14BX. Um, I got that all put together, and I literally was only able to make a couple cuts before I had to fly out to Vegas. But that thing cuts like crazy. It's just, mm -hmm. just a knife through hot butter. A hot knife through butter. Well, either way, there's a knife, there's butter, it's warm, <laughs> you know. Are there biscuits <laughs> involved? It cuts good. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, and all the packing material. Luckily, I had the shop really clean in expecting getting that package. So, uh, you know, I had, had room to assemble it and all that. But now I'm stuck with huge chunks of styrofoam and cardboard box that I got to get rid of and basically clean the shop before I can continue on all the improvements but no i couldn't be happier it's the shop is really really coming along and i'm pretty stoked about it that's good yep 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 well i went uh down to my folks and i tried chainsaw carving and uh it was like semi-successful i got it to i got a log to look like a rough shape of a chicken uh but i <laughs> <laughs> so did you did you have like Someone teaching you, or you just take a chainsaw to a chunk of wood and say, "Let's see what we can do." Yeah, I I, I just took the, my dad's chainsaw to the chunk of wood, and my mom. It actually started off as a chess piece, uh, uh, the horse one, the knight. Is that a knight? Yes. Yeah. Um, the, as the knight, and then I, uh, it was a little bit too fat. So then, in midway, after I got it like down to like a cylinder. I was like, how do you feel about a chicken? She goes, yeah, I love a chicken. So then I turned it into a chicken. And the, I mean, the, the rough shape of it, the head and the tail, the two legs, it, it, that looks like good. But I, I wasn't able to like get a lot of detail on it because it has, an, uh, I think, a 17-inch bar. No, that's way too long. I forget. It's, it, but it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty long bar, and, and I, I was only working with that one. And so I don't have anything to come back and do the details with. So now I'm looking into attachments for my right angle grinder to take back with me in December so I can go back and, like, finish him. But, my, yeah, my mom is, like, over the moon happy because it's in the back of their property along the walking trails. So you're just walking along. You're riding along in the golf cart, and then all of a sudden there's a huge chicken right there just looking at the walking trail. <laughs> <laughs> looking at the walking trail. I couldn't I couldn't help it, but why did the chicken cross the road? To get to the other side. Because April was chasing it with a chainsaw. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, it was fun, but it took me two days and it was it wore my butt out. I mean, I kinda took for granted the uh the grip strength and the forearm strength and the shoulder uh pain just of holding up a chainsaw the entire time, especially trying once you got all those big cuts taken away, trying to like get some of the, the smaller cuts on. But it was a lot of fun. What size chainsaw? I, I'm trying to remember. I think mine, he has one that is slightly larger than mine. I think it's an 11 inch. Maybe it's... What size motor? That might... Huh? What What's... size motor? Oh, I don't know, guys. 
that might that might be the reason too because um, chainsaw carvers typically have smaller chainsaws for the detail work with it with a pointed bar yeah so you know you're probably yeah you're probably got this big lumberjack felling chainsaw yeah you know where somebody would have a dremel size saw exactly or <laughs> a, a, that griffin ramsey girl the chainsaw carver on youtube she yep. typically just makes all the big cuts with the chainsaw and then switches over to a riding grinder with the with the chainsaw attachment so yep uh, i was wearing myself out but it was the only thing that i had so i made it work and it was, it, I mean, me and my mom pretty much stayed in the woods all day. Her just kind of sitting by and watching and critiquing and then me kind of whittling away. <laughs> so did you make a video on it? I, uh, yeah, I did. But I'm probably not going to release it until around January. Why until January? Uh, because I have a, I have a lot of things uh, filled up between for this month and next month that are like really big outdoor projects. So I pretty much did the chainsaw one just because I was at my folks and my mom wanted wanted it and I wanted to try it and so then I was like well I'll film it and then use it as a filler whenever I want to take a break or something for the holidays yeah you know let's see well, we didn't have a podcast last week but uh last week's video was on a wheelbarrow from my channel mm -hmm. and as soon as I got it done I was like you know what I should have waited to do this until March or something like that it's totally out of season to be making a wheelbarrow but um nevertheless got that done too it looks nice too. Is Jamie happy? She's happy. Um, I can't get over one comment that I read about, well, a couple comments about the sides being plain. Now, every time I look at the darn thing, <laughs> all I think of are, huh, the sides are plain. The sides are plain? Yeah, they are. They're, they're, they're just the P-L-A-I-N? Like just... Boring. Plain, boring. Yeah, boring. Uneventful. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you want me to go over there and comment and say the simplicity of the sides really makes this piece pop? <laughs> no it, i mean it's it's true it's, it's just one of those things that someone points something out and you can't see anything but that remember that picture you took on instagram uh yeah. several months ago about the it was part of a, a forstner bit hole i think and yep. it was an optical illusion well once you say something about it and see it you can't see anything else why yep, don't you I go and paint something on the side of it then get one of those stencils no man see when i'm done with the project i'm done Get not, Jamie I, to do it then. She might, yeah, that'd be cool. Just Ooh, she yeah, order a stencil off Amazon, and then it'll take nothing to go out there and just stencil it in. Yeah, maybe I can talk her into it, but I think she's going to use it in the uh, spring for like a, a a planter. It's a completely utilitarian item. I mean, you can use it like an actual wheelbarrow. It's strong and and uh, what I would consider built to last. So. <laughs> I doubt we're ever going to use it, though. It's probably just a decoration piece. We've already got a nice wheelbarrow. It does look nice. Well, thank you. Hey, is that your walking cane behind you? Um, I don't know what you're talking about. See? <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Because I think the last time we were doing the podcast is whenever you were having the, uh, the pain in your legs. Uh, that was two or three podcasts ago, something like that. But yeah, that's all healed up, gone behind me. Man, I feel like a complainer in all of 2016. I feel like I've just complained so much. Going back to the wheelbarrow thing, that, that, that they have to be kind of an old style wheelbarrow to be yard decoration. Imagine going down to Lowe's or, or <laughs> and getting like a modern plastic one, and then just setting it out front. People would be like, "Oh, what are you working on?" And be like, "No, that's lawn art. That's a decoration." <laughs> I ought to do that. I've, I've got one of those massive two front two front wheel big old plastic like one third yard <laughs> wheelbarrows. I think it's, I, you say barrow. Wheelbarrow. We'll, we'll, yeah, it's, wheelbarrow. What do we'll, you say? I say barrel. 
Will Barrel. Uh, it's spelled Barrow. Yeah, I know. I just, I don't, I pronounce, I just, uh, it just came to me that I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. You know, the funny thing is I don't watch a ton of football, but the commentators, the, the proper, the way to say it is pass rush. And every time this one guy says, Pash Rush, <laughs> and I scream at the TV, I'm like, there's no S-H in P-A-S-S. Pash Rush. Pash Rush. I can got, see how he can get that mixed up, they got, they especially no as pash quickly rush. as they talk. <laughs> this is an interesting podcast. I like it. I like how diverse <laughs> and just jumping from thing to thing. But, on, okay, let's get back on to what we talk about. Nick, what are you up to, bud? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I turned that bowl, uh, I put a picture of it last night on Instagram as it started out as a log. In fact, it was the other half of the log from when we turned, Jay and I turned that bowl for, for April. Uh, I didn't do it as a live edge top. I wanted to try the techniques. Basically, I was trying to, Braxton taught me just a crap ton of information, techniques, uh, at his house. And then, you know, working with Jimmy Clues, that was awesome. I saw him make a better finishing cut one-handed than, <laughs> than sandpaper can reproduce. That's and, awesome. And, and, and then the funniest thing was he was working with a student, did the finishing pass. It was perfect. He goes, okay, now repeat that. And then he grabbed the gouge and he put a bunch of gouges in the piece and goes, well, I can't leave it starting good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that dude's a really down-to-earth dude. And I, and I talked to him about being on the podcast. So um, he, he had talked with Kevin about that. And so it sounds like we'll be able to make that work towards the end of the year. Cool. And he lives in Vegas? Yeah, yeah. And he's... Braxton takes lessons for him like what, like once a week or once a month? How does, how does that work? I think it's twice a month, I think. I don't cool. quote me on that. but um, And he's got several students in there. I got to talk to with one gal. I totally forget her name. I apologize because I asked Braxton, Braxton like three times for her name. And she does, uh, her and her husband make and manufacture uh, magic tricks. And that was right up my alley. And she's done, you know, her, her husband is kind of a somewhat famous um, illusionist from back in the day and is an invented a bunch of illusions that require an expert woodworker to, to pull off. That's cool. Like, yeah. So that was really, that was just really badass. And uh, does your magician friend Gizmo know him? I, I haven't talked to Gizmo since um, going to Vegas, but I would imagine so. The magic community is so much small and tight knit. Yeah, it's, it's really like the woodworking community. It, you know, typically people know of each other. But going back to the, the Vegas thing, they got a Peterman Lumber there. Oh, you guys, when you were visiting, think that I have a good wood selection. This Peterman Lumber had about 30 to 40 exotic wood species. And we're not talking like pen blanks or bowl blanks, stuff like that. They had pieces that were... Uh, 12 inches wide, four quarter, 14 feet long of like Coca-Bola, uh, zebra wood. Um, there was one in there that was, I can't remember the name of it. Um, wasn't Catopa. Maybe it was Catopa. Um, but it just had this awesome contrasting grain, but it was like $39 a board foot. And they only sell it at the, as the whole board. But we had like seven YouTubers there, and I was the only one that wanted to go in on this board and then cut it down. It was like, I would say about 300 bucks for the board divided by you know, seven people. But they're like, no, no, that's too much. I'm like, yeah, it's too much for one person to buy, but we got like seven or eight people. That's one of those stores you walk in and be like, uh, yeah, so where do you keep your zebra wood two by fours? 
<laughs> <laughs> oh, they had, speaking of two by fours, they had um, dug fur, straight grain, and it was relatively tight knit grain, tight, you know, grain, uh, completely clear, and two by 12s that were 16 feet long. Dang, what was board foot on those? I, I didn't look because they had the domestics, they had just everything. Everything as far as uh, four quarter, 10 quarter, eight quarter, some of it all went up to 12 quarter. It was just amazing, and I remember thinking, like, if I could get this near me, I would build a bench, a solid top workbench tomorrow. I just don't want to personally have to pick through dimensional lumber to find the good ones. All these were beautiful. Yeah, picking through is a pain in the butt. I often get asked, like, it's been a while since I bought any dimensional lumber for projects, but I often get asked, like, how do you find the clear ones, or how how can you find such such good boards? Well. It takes time, and you pick through it, and it's a pain in the butt, and it's no fun, and it, there's a reason why I haven't done that in a while. Yep. All right. Would you guys want to jump into some questions? Sure. Sure. Alrighty. Uh, Carson asks, I'm a beginner woodworker, beginner to intermediate woodworker, and I'm looking to upgrade my old craftsman contractor table saw. I'm trying to decide between the rigid R4512 or the Grizzly G0715P. Just wondering if you guys had any any any, any experience on either one. Pros and cons, keep up the good work. Um, actually, I think me and Nick are in the same boat with both having experience with both saws. Really? And I think we both had the same problem on both saws. Yep. So uh, it was a... Basically, they're, they are hybrid saws, meaning they have a um, cast iron top and... Well, no, the Rigid doesn't have a cabinet base. It has like a contractor no. base, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, the, the Grizzly G0715P has the cabinet base, but the problem in what we've, we've encountered was with the table-mounted trunnions. Um, so... I've had I've heard feedback of people having good results with both saws. I've had feedback of people having bad results with both saws. Regardless, though, I will say that both uh, the Rigid at Home Depot and then the Grizzly through Grizzly, of course, um, both of them handled my situation flawlessly. So, uh, as far as getting rid of it and getting my money back, and I actually the the last one I had was the 715P, and I just upgraded to the next in line from Grizzly, which had cabinet mounted trunnions. And that was the G0690. And then the Z, the G0691 is the wider uh, fence, in case he's looking at either one of those. Um, uh, yeah, I the rigid for well, I mean, to, to kind of highlight what Jay said, uh, you got you know your contractor saw, you got your cabinet saw, and you have your hybrid saw. The trunnions are what moves the the, the carriage of the saw uh, in an angular motion, where you get your forty five degree cuts and. On a true cabinet saw, you have a cabinet base and the trunnions are mounted to the cabinet. And then that just eliminates a lot of problems and makes adjustment a whole lot easier. The hybrid is a cabinet enclosed base, but they're still table mounted. Yeah, the 0715, I went through several of those saws and they all had alignment issues with the trunnions uh, basically coming out of alignment. And then the rigid, yeah, raising and lowering the blade, it would come out of 90 the 0715P was a smoother running saw, in my opinion, than the Rigid, but only probably slightly. Um, but the trunnion issue on the, the 0715P 
became a safety issue for me anyways because the trunnions were kicking the back of the saw blade towards the fence creating a binding issue so that's going to be potential kickback versus the rigid uh, it, with raising and lowering it coming out of 90 is just an inaccuracy issue where it's not necessarily going to cause kickback. Um, I would say if you could save up for um, you know a full cabinet saw, you know Jay had mentioned the the 0690 or um, I know Shopfox and uh, Jet and a couple other you know ones out there that make um, something in that budget range, but I would save because I went through them both and it was just a waste of my time and money. Yeah, and it all goes back to table-mounted trunnions. Now, there's a couple of people that have um, uh, documentation modifying some. Doesn't uh, uh, Matthias Woodgears.ca, he's got a table-mounted trunnion um, hybrid saw. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he tore his down and, and had to make some, some uh, adjustments to his. Uh, if so, I'll post a link. I don't want to you know, misquote anybody there. But if so, I'll post a link into this article. So I'm just not a big fan of, of table-mounted trunnions. I've, I, hear, I, I see a lot of people having good results, and I see a lot of people having bad results. So in, in my opinion, that's, for me, just something to stay away from, if possible. Yeah, um, I'm actually looking up right now because I was talking to Ted Alexander about he was looking at a new saw, and he was saying that Grizzly had what they were calling a hybrid but they listed it as cabinet mounted trunnions. And I believe you, you'll have to look it up, but the G0771, and it's actually a hair cheaper than the 0715P. So take a look at that one. Um, I forget the, the name of who asked the question, uh, Carson. So yeah, take a look at that one as well, Carson, and you know maybe even call and see if, if it's truly cabinet mounted trunnions on that one. I have no experience with the one I just mentioned, but I know Ted was looking at it. April, what saw did you have before the one you have now? I had a, a Craftsman that it was an aluminum frame, like job site saw essentially, but yeah. it um, I, I purchased it off Craigslist. Those aluminum top saws, uh, that's one thing too. If you're gonna, it was aluminum top and aluminum base, so it like walked around. I mean, you could pretty much only cut pretty much like little scraps on it. Even a half sheet of of plywood ripped down or or chunks of plywood ripped down was still too much for it to. To not move around. Yeah, some of those direct drive smaller saws, they will get the job done. You're going to lose out on the accuracy, the precision. Yeah. Uh, the fences are typically not nearly as nice for repeatability and ease of use, um, and and they're and they're 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 just that. They're meant for rough cuts on uh, you know sheet goods during construction. So if you're looking at if you foresee yourself being that you need like a tolerance within a 32nd or or even a 16th that might not be the route to go but if you're making say picnic tables for you know outdoor projects to sell it it probably would get you by just fine yeah i got by with it for about a year uh, before upgrading and i paid a hundred dollars for it off craigslist so i mean it was a, it was a cheap little thing but then, of course at the time i wasn't doing anything super fancy or accurate and i was painting most projects so um yeah i thought it got me by all right, let's go into another question here from Barry Myers. I've been using, I've been turning pens for several years and still struggle with a light colored wood maple or poplar uh, when doing the final sanding and finishing. I use both, I use a friction polish. The grain of the wood sometimes looks dirty because the, uh, because of a bit of metal uh, from the bushings picking it up in the final cloth. 
I use paper towels. He's basically getting the bushings and the metal and the wood just getting dirty. Um, I'm not like a tried and true experienced pen turner, but man, I, I mean, if you're getting it dirty, I, I wonder if he tried to even blow it out with some compressed air. Well, it, um, I've turned probably 50 pens now and I know what he's talking about. And basically the thing that you just have to worry about is when you're using your sandpaper, um, before you even get to the friction polish, when you're using your sandpaper, just be uh, diligent and, and try not to hit the bushings. It, it, just, just taking the little bit of effort to try not to and slow down before you get to them, that'll help a lot. But I think the friction polish you're talking about might be that triple E friction polish. And um, I think that's what it's called. Uh, but it, uh, it, does, it turns the, the bushings black and then that black residue is very easy to get back onto the pen and my suggestion there is if you are using that wax fr friction polish to apply it but then when you go to buff it out buff from the center out every single time so you're taking that material and pushing it to the bushing rather than the bushing to the material that's good advice and then if, if that just, if you can't get a system working for that, you know, I've, I've sanded a couple pens down to like 600 grit and then just with the lathe spinning on slow, just uh, give a nice couple coats of spray lacquer, quick and easy. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Have you turned much on your lathe cart since you got it up and running, April? I haven't. I, I pretty much did the, the one video on it and then I set it aside and haven't messed with it yet. Well, I turned some some knobs for the lathe stand whenever I built the lathe stand for it. But other than that, I haven't I haven't been back to it unfortunately, which is really unfortunate because people have sent me a few blanks. George von Driska, uh, he actually sent me a red oak burl that he ended up finding and chopping up, and so I have a chunk of that and then a few other things. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's just right now I'm trying to do a bunch of outdoor projects to take advantage of the nicer weather. So hopefully in the in the new year, things will slow down a bit. I won't travel as much and then I can just really take my take my shop time and and do what I do what I want to do. Yeah, I've noticed this uh, this holiday season. I'm, I'm leaning towards using the lathe for a lot of gifts. Really? Uh, yeah, pens and bottle openers, you know, just like the pen or the the turning kits that you can get through, like Rockler or yeah. or Woodcraft or whatever. Um, they're quick and easy gifts, and it's a way to give something handmade to multiple people without having to build like you know twelve chest of drawers or you know yeah. <laughs> something crazy like that. Um, because, you know, people like something that's handmade, especially family members, I found. They, they like something that's handmade regardless of what it is. It could be something small. It could be something big. So, yeah, I've made um, this past week, I think I've got 12 pens done, and I've got 18 blanks left to go, something like that. Wow. Um, I set I up a little, it. like, a, assembly process, and now I'm to the stage where you just turn and assemble, turn and assemble. All the blanks are have the, the barrels glued in and such. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a gift maker, on top of actually making you know nice pieces, nice you know bowls and segment and stuff. But it's a gift maker. Yeah, I need to get back on it. I don't think that I'm gonna have time this year to make presents. I just didn't start soon enough in the year. This is the first time that I've started this early. Normally, I wait till like a week before Christmas, and I'm like, <laughs> eh, maybe I should do something. Yeah. All right. 
Um, let's see here. Dave Gilby. Sorry, I'm a newbie, so uh, excuse any stupid questions. I, I wanted to address the stupid questions thing first. Uh, you know, teachers always say there's no such thing as a stupid question. I, it's kind of, you know, you know, that's kind of a oversaid thing, but I totally agree with it. It reminds me of, I think I was like seven or eight years old and I saw a custodian fixing a drinking fountain with Teflon tape. And I asked him, I said, what's that? And he told me all about it. And that's the day I learned about Teflon tape. So I think questions are kind of the way to learn. So I completely but, uh, agree. First question, uh, what are some ways to prevent tear out from birch plywood when cutting on the table saw? It's a job site saw. Can you guys suggest any ways to minimize it, change the blade, put, uh, put it working side down, painter's tape, etc.? I would say um, if you can either buy or make a zero clearance insert, that would be for me like the number one thing. A lot of times you can't buy them for older model saws or, you know, but a lot of times you can make them and modify them. Um, I would say that as, as well as a clean and sharp blade. Yeah, I whenever I first got into woodworking, I completely underestimated the value of a sharp blade. And um, now that I'm wise to it, everything, everything is sharp. My miter, my circular saw, everything. I, I'm, I'm always constantly paying attention now to if my my, my blades are, are dulling. Jay? Yeah, I agree. Um, a, a clean blade for me is, is the, my major suggestion because uh, if you're anything like uh, the vast majority of people who are starting out in woodworking, you're probably using a lot of pine. Pine has a lot of pitch and resin and that builds up on your, on your cutting edges and it will quickly make the most sharp blades perform like they're really dinged and dull. So clean a blade. Uh, there's a lot of things out there, uh, a lot of products out there for cleaning blades easily. Uh, that's number one thing and then of course a good sharp blade uh, but yeah as far as making great cuts through a table saw um, you can also you know a scoring cut did you say that I don't know if you said that uh, you can make a scoring cut it's it's more time-consuming I've never done it but it, it is it is one of the methods you can use you can do to uh, reduce tear out and then um, yeah zero clearance insert really makes a huge difference like Nick said and then his, uh, he's got three questions. The second question is, how much glue? I, ha I seem to have either no squeeze out or a river squeeze out of it. Any suggestions? I would say, for, first off, you do need squeeze out because that's, that's telling you that there was enough in that joint and then now it is squeezed out. If you don't have squeeze out, chances are you didn't have enough. I always just like a, a thin film, maybe half a millimeter thick. Or it's, I think some, I think it's some, not half a millimeter, 500 microns. See, I learned that from last podcast. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it just, I don't know, it, practice makes perfect for me on that. But yeah, you should have squeeze out. Yeah, I definitely, it, it's one of those things that you'll get a feel for it as you, as you continue to move along on, oh, I don't know. It'll just it just comes with time and and that being said occasionally i do have a glue out that is just an absolute mess his third and final question can you guys give some suggestions for creating dados with a small trim router trying he's trying not to buy too many tools like a full-size router or a dado stack for his table saw um yeah a couple things come to mind immediately um, the first is the Wood Whisperer's got a video out on making a dado jig for a router. 
doesn't matter what size router, but you can use uh, his method. I've got a, a different, slightly different um, jig out there for dados. His uses a guide bushing. Mine uses the bearing on a router bit, but also like a, a door board, as Nick calls them, or a cutoff saw, uh, track for a, a circular saw. Make one of those for a router. Um, the only downside with that is the spacing. So you would have to have a specific router bit for whatever size dado that you need. And if you have to move the, the door board or the track to accommodate a larger dado than the width or the diameter of your, of your, um, router bit, then you'll have to have some type of, uh, spacing block to make sure you keep it parallel as far as moving it over. You guys, are you guys familiar with the Kerf maker? Nope. No. Uh, you both said at the same time. We both said no. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so anyway, Google the cur- a Kerf maker, and basically it's something with it's a little jig that you can make or purchase, but you know they're ridiculously expensive, and you can make one with scraps. Um, it's a little gauge that tells you basically the exact width of your table saw blade and has a spacing for that compensates for that blade. So if you need a, a three, a three quarter inch spacing and you have exactly one eighth of an inch blade, then the resulting increment will be exactly five eighths of an inch. It'll, it'll be the exact spacing you need to use whatever blade you want, uh, to match the, the groove that you need. Anyway, long story short, if you can kind of get that concept in your head of how to make a kerf maker for a table saw, you could also make one for a router based upon the router bit that you are using, and then use the kerf maker to space that doorboard from one cut to the next to make a perfectly spaced uh, dado, perfectly sized dado for your material. Yeah, the only thing I would add is I had a little um, handheld trim router jig. We'll put the video in the description. But the, the key there is you, your first cut has to start accurately. If you're off by, you know, a quarter inch, then the, all the all the dados will be parallel, but they'll all be off a quarter inch. So definitely check that out. We'll have that in the article. And that is all the questions that we have for this podcast. So we want to remind you that there's a couple different ways you can stay up to date with the podcast and get notified of any new content. You can go to the woodworkingpodcast.com and find those three clickable buttons near the top to subscribe on Android, RSS, or on iTunes. And if you are on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We very much appreciate that. And if you'd like to contribute, there's a couple different ways. You can use the contribute button on the website or go to patreon.com slash the woodworking podcast. And all the contributions are very much appreciated and help fund this little podcast. So anyway, thanks for listening. You guys take care and we will catch you on the next one. Bye everyone. Later.